You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Friday the 29th of September, sitting on the steppings just outside the second floor balcony of Newmarket's Rowley Mile. Amazingly, it's not windy at the moment on the Rowley Mile, which is a, a first. I'm sure it can pick up later. It's sunny, it's warm, it's delightful. And what a weekend's racing we have in prospect. Here first, and then at paris Longchamp Saturday and Sunday. And even better news aside from the fact that Rafe Beckett's going to join us on the podcast and Richard Brown's going to join us on the podcast, Lee Mottishead's going to join us on the podcast from Paris, Lydia Hislop is back. You thought she'd disappeared and gone forever. Not so. She's back after what might be the longest holiday in uh, racing media history. I'm, I'm going to better it's next year, I think. It's I think. so good. Yeah, three and a half weeks off. Oh, delicious. You look ridiculously well. You look about <laughs> 10 years. Don't take this the wrong way. You looked about 10 years younger than you before you went. I feel about 20 years old. <laughs> I, it, was, it was very refreshing indeed. The weather was outrageously good. So it was uh, Istria, northern Croatia, and then Trieste, and final, finally Ljubljana, which was lovely. We had two days of rain in Ljubljana. Such a shame. Yeah, you almost seem, you know, quite chipper <laughs> to be here on the Roly Mile. I am, I am. Well, I mean, it helps, as you say, that there's not a sort of bitter wind blowing across it like it normally would be. I've been um, listening to some past podcasts. I've been enjoying some of the news that has filtered through um, it towards um, Central uh, Europe. Um, I've been particularly enjoying um, Michael Buckley. Uh, being so annoyed with people being disappointed that he's not doing the thing that he suggested he might do at the end of the last season with Constitution Hill. I mean, you know, he started it, for goodness sake. That was a little flurry from, from last week, wasn't it? Just yeah. A, a bit, yeah. I did wonder about leading the podcast with Constitution Hill news, and I thought, yeah, you've got to give them what they want. Well, I mean, he is, he is the horse, isn't he, over, um, in, over jumps. Um, Galloping to Champs as well, of, of course, but uh, Constitution Hill, absolutely brilliant. But, I mean... It is. I mean, it's. It was quite predictable. It just. It just. It just felt a bit of a bit of a predictable circle. I'm feeling some Hislop Hendo classic sparring coming along during the course of the season. Well, to be fair to Nicky Henderson, I don't. I mean, it was more him responding to Michael Buckley, wasn't it? It was Michael Buckley who was who was plot, plotting the gold cup. Uh, yeah the Ascot Gold Cup. And, and in, in fairness to Michael, aided and abetted by media pot stirrers like me. Ab- absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, but but at the same time, you know, he he did uh, dare to to speak his dreams out loud, and you know, people will be fired up by those, and that's just what happens. And it, you know, I don't think it's it's fair to, to that when people then express their genuine disappointment that that, that you criticise them for it. And if you are one of those people who have been like, come on, enough of this, get on with the get on with the jumping this season. Um, Goran Park this weekend, Envoy Allen makes his return. So there you are. That's your jumping for today. On we on we press. Um, to the arc, of course. And in a moment, you're going to be hearing from trainer Rafe Beckett, who's got a huge, huge weekend, not just with Westover, but he's become the first horse since Zakawa to win from Stall 1. Uh, and she won in 2008, incidentally, and she was brilliant. Uh, but also with a state occasion who runs in the opera, uh, the great Kin Ross, who runs in the Prix de la Forêt again, and, of course, a, a whole clutch of two-year-olds running in group races at Newmarket. But first of all, to Paris-Lanchon, where we will find Lee Mottishead on his annual pilgrimage to the Bois de Boulogne. How's Paris, Lee? Um, the sun hasn't quite broken through as yet, but it is unusually mild. I can't recall a Friday before the Arc, Nick, where I'll have been strolling around Paris in a pair of shorts. 
Um, normally, we have pretty grim weather for this meeting. We have in recent years anyway. This is not a, uh, an, a normal arc by what we've come to know it. Well, you've conjured up a wonderful image already. Yes, I, I, wish, I wish for pictures of you strolling down the Champs-Élysées just in a pair of shorts, perhaps with one of those French V-neck sweaters draped around your neck. Oh, Nick, sunglasses on your head. I don't want to be a cliche, Nick. No, no. The the the, the pair of dashing uh, yellow shorts um, showing off my legs, and I'm um, hoping to get some sun on them later on. I, I shall though be in normal attire come lunch on Saturday. All right. What's the latest news? Um, latest news, Nick, is I think we are increasingly moving towards, as I say, an arc the sort of which we haven't known in recent years. I was watching again uh, Alpinista's victory half an hour or so uh, ago and I had forgotten just how miserable the weather was that day I think it's going to be very different um, this year I think we're moving towards um, an arc that will be fascinating on a number of levels Nick we've got the resurgence of the the French three-year-old cults headed by of course Ace Impact and Feed the Flame it's a long time since uh, we've seen one of those win the race i think we've got a, a wonderful spread of generations because up against these two really exciting french trials and fantastic moon from germany we've got some proper old timers horses that we've known for years now principally i think in hookham uh westover bay bridge free win these are horses who've been around a long time hookham's a six-year-old for goodness sake so i think it's a a, a race nick that that it's not a vintage pre de Lac de Triumph. I don't think we could say that. I don't think going into it, uh, we can say this is one of the absolute best. But it's absorbing in so many ways. And for you, Lee, how have your feelings toward the participants moved during the course of the week? Enormously, Nick, to be fair. Um, I am continually flip-flopping around Ace Impact. We, we spoke on on the pod the day after he'd won at Deauville. And I was saying then that initially I watched that race and I'd been disappointed. Then I was more encouraged. I was watching his uh, pretty jockey club a few times this week and he, he really did win that race with, with tremendous flair and authority. And I, I think he is undoubtedly a worthy favourite to win this race. Nick, his draw's not bad at all in store eight. And I think store eight, I think we're expecting the draw to be more significant on this quicker ground. Um, I started the week being pretty keen on the chances of Hookham, but as the ground has dried out and his store wide 14 doesn't help him. Um, the only horse I've backed so far, Nick, is, is Bay Bridge. I think he's got a really good draw in stall six. But again, the drying ground won't help him. They're calling it soft officially as we as we talk but I, I think we're more likely to get ground that as we would know it as as British and Irish racing fans on on the quick side of good and that probably won't help him or be I think he does have a big chance and I've been increasingly keen on the chances of, of fantastic Munich um the German raider but we, we remember uh, on the pod this year connections have said at one point he definitely wouldn't go for the pre de Lac de Triomphe. And I imagine that is because they just weren't expecting this sort of ground. They paid big money to put him in the race. And again, you look back at his Deutsches Derby success and his pre-Niel win, and he was tremendously impressive in both. So I'd say at this point, Nick, I think the market has it right. And I think Ace Impact is the likeliest winner, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if we saw Fantastic Moon win. And if the ground isn't 
too quick for him. I could still see Baybridge saving Sir Michael Stout's season. Uh, do you think it could be a good weekend for the Brits? Uh, yeah, I think it could, Nick. Although once we, we got True Shannon in the in the Cadran um, on on Saturday, and he he really should win, uh, particularly uh, below par running of that event. And we we tend to do well on on the Saturday. I think Highfield Princess, if she's anywhere near her best, should win should win the Abbey. Uh, Kinross in in the foray as well. All I would say, Nick, is in terms of a big weekend for the Brits, I referenced in my column on, on Monday that I do think from one year to the next, the the undercard, if you like, across Art Weekend and those Sunday Group 1 races, I think they, they're they struggling to compete against Kipco British Champions Day. And I think a lot of horses that from, from British stables in particular would have gone for races like the Abbey, and the the opera um, are now going to Ascot for the champion sprint for the Phillies and Mares. Uh, I think for that reason, sometimes those undercard races look a little bit weaker than they have in the past. And that's partly because of weaker uh, British and Irish representation. Um, but but even though they may be not what they always once were, they're still intriguing puzzles. Well, given the positioning of the Catapri Lauda Triumph this year, right at the end of, of the Cambridgeshire meeting at Newmarket, right before Tattersall's book one, it is a particularly manic time for all trainers who are operating at that end of the business, one of whom is Rafe Beckett, who kindly joins me now, with the news under his belt that Westover has the inside post in the Catapri Lauda Triumph. And I was trying to work out yesterday, Rafe, whether you'd be pleased or disappointed with that. Uh, and I couldn't, quite, I couldn't quite make my mind up. What do you think? I think it's good, Nick. You know, I think, I think, um, I know the stats will say that it's not, but if, because of it's only Zar Carver since 1988 or something, isn't it? But um, who came from box one? But uh, I think the cutaway at the top of the straights probably changed things a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I think. The dynamic of yeah. races. I think she did very well because she had to be taken back and weave through horses as well, and. And without wishing to put words in your mouth, I don't suppose those will be your tactics. That's absolutely right. Yeah, we'll sit just up behind the pace, I would imagine. So it should be, it should be ideal. I mean, is it fair to say that it's been this race and just working back from this ever since? Well, ever since Dubai, I suppose. Not so much since Dubai, but certainly since the King George. King George was really the turning point. Um, uh, obviously, the, the run in Dubai was a big effort, but I think the the King George was a bigger effort. So, since then, certainly this has been the plan. Uh, and I, I know it sounds a bit stupid to say for a horse who ran so well in the Derby early on in his career, but did the King George make you think a bit differently about him? I think it was a it was a justification of what we felt about him, but not what everybody else felt about him. You know, it's, there were some who who uh, weren't so keen on him, and that's understandable. He had a sort of up and down three year old career, uh, but um, you know, the hallmark of his four year old career has been his consistency. So, so all that being said, um, is he working well enough now, and is he well enough in himself, and in terms of the strength of the opposition, where you think, yeah, I, I can actually win this race. <laughs> Uh, I thought 
his work at Salisbury was good. You know, Leaden, Leadenhall is a decent lead horse. Um, and uh, I felt it was, uh, I thought it was solid work. We all did. And um, that put him straight for, for this weekend. Um, and is he, is he more of a grown-up? Because he was, he was a bit of a delinquent at times earlier on. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that. You know, I think at home he's never been a problem. Um, but over-exuberance was a problem. Um, a couple of, well, certainly once. Um, I think we manage him, or he's, I think we've, we've learned to manage him better. And I think he's grown up, combination of the two. Uh, means that you know I'm, I'm relatively hopeful he'll behave himself on Sunday. So he can shoulder the lion's share of the of the stress this weekend. But there's the small matter of a, several other runners in Group One races. Um, Kin Ross, you must just enjoy though, mustn't you? Just uh, just what a what a fun horse to train. Yeah, I mean he's a he is he is a joy. You're right, and uh, every time he goes to the track, it's a joy really because. You know, he, he, he might get beat and he's, you know, Sunday very possible to get beat, but uh, he's in good form and uh, he loves it there and we're looking forward to it. And then on to the Breeders' Cup after that? I, I would think so. I mean, if he came, he may go the same route as last year. If he came up soft at Ascot, you know, I'd be keen to go there. I know that doesn't give him much time between Ascot and the Breeders' Cup, but as we found to our cost last year, the Breeders' Cup... You know, you're 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 uh, hostage to the draw. We get drawn wide again. I'm going to be, uh, and it comes up soft at Ascot, and we've missed Ascot because we're going to the Breeze Cup. I won't be very I won't be very uh, pleased with myself. So, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that, how that develops. And uh, am I right in thinking state occasions running in the Opera? Yes, she goes to the Opera. I think the track will suit her really well. Windsor didn't, and. Uh, you know, she was she was pretty impressive in the Upaven. Obviously, we're stepping up now, but she's uh, syndicate owned, and it's meant to be fun, isn't it, Nick? So uh, <laughs> I think she'll acquit herself well, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a big team of them going to Longchamp on Sunday, which I'm pleased about. Uh, you you say it's it's meant to be fun. I know it's a very high pressure weekend. Can you still get? the fun out of it can you still feel the joy at a time like this or is it all does it all feel like work uh, no of course i'm enjoying of course i'm enjoying it so, you know it'd be madness not to we're all very much looking forward to tomorrow and sunday and what about the two-year-olds at newmarket this weekend you've got a, a brace in the middle park and other promising horses as well um who's giving you the who's giving you the best feel at the moment i think task force is uh is the horse that I'm most looking forward to of the, of the three two-year-olds running in group races on, on, on Saturday. Um, he's, uh, I thought he did well to win at Ripon um, for one so inexperienced and the way the race developed. So I think uh, the six on the early mile will suit him really well. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll find out whether he's up to up to this grade on Saturday. Uh, McDuff, I uh, thought he was a little green at, um, at Haydock, um, and he's in very good form. So keen to run, keen to, keen to, you know, he obviously suited the July course really well. 
and he learned plenty at Haydock and as I say he's in very good form so looking forward to that and uh, Starlust well he just dances every dance and uh, uh, Jim Hay and his manager Alex Cole were keen to supplement for the middle park and Grand's, Grand will be fine for him and uh, he's tough uh, and takes his race, racing really well and enjoys it so he'll run his race as well I'm looking forward to that too and you can't be everywhere this weekend Rafe where are you going to be? Huh. <laughs> uh, I've got <laughs> uh, a relation of mine has decided to get married on uh, Saturday lunchtime so I've got to go there first I mean obviously obviously someone who doesn't work in racing right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't name and shame him. Uh, and uh, then, uh, luckily, that gets me uh, to Newmarket in time for the middle part, though not the Royal Lodge, and then uh, jump on the Eurostaff to, to Paris on Saturday evening. Excellent. Um, oh, and any sign of that fixture list yet, by the way? <laughs> uh, Julian Richmond Watson was here this morning, so uh, you better ask him. All right, okay, I will do. Is that a good sign or a bad sign? Well, I don't think it's finalised yet, from what I understand. Um, you know, it's... Time's ticking on. Yeah. I think the point you made the other day is that... You know... Um, a, a, the time's ticking on. But secondly, that... I'm not sure this two-hour window is the be-all and end-all. That wasn't the original Savile plan. Um, I think it's uh, depressing that we're going to have to pay the racecourses levy money, compensation for moving their time slots around. I think that's depressing in itself um, and uh, as well as totally unnecessary. So uh, the whole thing is not what Peter envisaged it to be. And uh, that's a disappointment for me. And I think it'll be a disappointment for the sport as well. All right, Rafe Beckett there. Actually, before we crack on and talk about Westover, etc., we need to pick up on that last point about the fixture list, which I slightly unfairly polled him at the end, but you always know he's going to play a shot. And the more you think about this, the more you do wonder whether he's got a point when he, when he effectively says that uh, the two-hour, quote-unquote, premierisation window on a Saturday is actually a fairly microscopic hill on which to die, isn't it? I mean, you, you, I've been sceptical about this process from the start to finish. I mean, the whole idea of premiarisation being in any way ambitious or groundbreaking in the way in which it was described when it was first announced is just a nonsense. There was a, a red line from the outside, from the race courses, which was the fixture list. And so deck chairs had to be shuffled around within that red line. And so we've got this two-hour premiarisation window, which already exists under ITV Racing. And this is a fudge. It's a compromise. If you were trying to do something radical, you would not start with a red line which says, thou shalt not move our fixtures. And that's the position they were in. So everybody else had to move, you know, the participants in horse racing, the regulators, the governors of horse racing, but not the fixture list. And that's just a nonsense. It's a nonsense compromise. It's just a nonsense, I'm afraid. And it also goes to the heart of the idea that the BHA in any way have been empowered in this process. All right, again, more to follow, you fancy. But hopefully sooner rather than later, because time is ticking away. Good luck, by the way, to, to George Smiley uh, on, his, uh, on his nuptials tomorrow. What 
who in racing would get married this weekend? That's where Rafe Beckett's got to go before he comes here. <laughs> but he didn't want to name him because he's too polite. That's, that, that is full planning, isn't it? And I know George listens to the podcast. He's listening this weekend on his wedding weekend, and I know he's a fan. Well, who, who, who chose the date? Yeah, good question. Good question. And, and were other things dictating that? I yeah. mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be terrible. There'll be lots of people sort of smuggling their phones in and pretending to look at the hymn book, won't there? <laughs> it'd be, be a shame if it, if it got to the end of, you know, the last chorus of Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, and all, all you could hear is, And state occasion hits the front! <laughs> Silent mode is a great thing. <laughs> uh, right. Onwards then. Rafe Beckett believes, and he has to believe... And I was interested in his line when I asked him whether the King George had made him think differently about Westover. It, no, it confirmed what we thought, but that nobody else really believed. Yeah, I think that's fair. It certainly made me think differently about, about Westover. I thought he, it was a real coming-of-age performance. It's going to be tough, though. It's quite a, a wide-open race. He's up against Hookham as well, so it's a rematch from the King George. And we've got a, a, a raft of three-year-olds and some interesting fillies, I think. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, Adrian's bit earlier in the week, and Dave Yates picked up on this yesterday, about the record of three-year-olds when the ground's quicker yeah. um, and I, I, a lot of them do need that, that slightly sounder surface and it becomes a less of a grind for a, a horse that, that's that bit younger and, and less experienced Also what has the impact of the Prix de Jockey Club dropping back to ten and a half furlongs been on the home trained Very good point. three-year-old colt? Very good point it's that slightly nippier type perhaps mm. a slightly you know um, faster bred type as well let's not forget Cracksman for example the Psyre of Ace Impact was actually his best form was at 10 Verlongs absolutely absolutely and with with Ace Impact he does have that little bit seemingly of star quality obviously particularly on his pre-jockey club performance and you can see last time as being a stepping stone kind of race I sense you think this is going to go to a female I think Plaster Carousel is going to win yeah I I don't know if you... You might have heard John O'Connor earlier in the week, who's the co-owner of Paracel, Plaster Carousel, saying that Andre Farber told him early summer, this is my art course. I can see, I, I can, I can see that. I did listen to John, John saying that. Um, and why, why wouldn't you go for the arc when you've got that kind of advice? But uh, she, I felt she won the opera last season on stamina. I think she hasn't um, produced that same peak performance so far this season, but that's exactly what she did last year. Peak, peaked on this day for Andre Farber, and I think she'll put up a career-best performance. And I just think she's got... I mean, she's a four-year-old. She's got that little bit more strength. She's got the Phillies allowance as well. Um, you know, the, the record of Phillies recently in the arc with, you know, that's another another factor with what's going on with the, with the three-year-old Colts, perhaps in, in France. Um, and I think that Phillies, uh, they are more likely these days to be dominant at the mile-and-a-half scene than perhaps were was previously the case in it's, Europe yeah it's, look it's not just about the pre-Lado Triumph even at, in paris on this weekend there's so many group ones so many interesting group ones as well uh, one notable defector from the Cadran is Courage Mon Ami who's had enough for the year I think and, and that, uh, it's probably a blessing in disguise that he doesn't run but Watnan Racing you know, evidently they're going to want a whole load of runners because it's the uh, Emir of Qatar's concern I've been speaking to their manager Richard Brown and he has been on a little bit of a, a boutique shopping spree and this is what he's got for the weekend um so a couple of additions uh julica um with christoph furlond who's going to run in the um marcel busak and uh james Dahl will be riding her and milo milo second of may 
uh, run a very good race. She's won over course and distance, and so she's going to run at the uh, Royal Oak for Francis Henri Graffard, and uh, Miguel Barcelona will take the ride there. I mean, clearly, with the Qatar sponsorship, very important that Watnan have runners this weekend. But you could go out and sort of buy what you want, but how, what, what, are your, what are your key selection um, drivers, if you like? Well, I've seen a couple of people say we can buy what we like. It's, it's very much not the case because we, we've left a lot of horses behind and we are valuing them. Uh, and we have actually only bought, um, I think it's 12 horses in training. So we're, we're not talking about huge numbers in, in any way. Um, quality is the key driver. Um, Ollie Tate, who, who's uh, managing this, you know, set out uh, set out a sort of budget to buy some horses in training because obviously if you're buying mares or yearlings it takes many years to get to um to these meetings so you know to, to sort of fast track it ollie said that um we should try and buy some horses in training and the team in qatar obviously agreed with that so yeah the uh, the art meeting was a big target because of the sponsorship and it's um you know it's great we've got uh, we've got plenty of runners yeah, you know, I, I suddenly for a minute there felt like the interviewer who asked Mark Johnson about his scattergun approach to, to training two-year-olds and felt like I was going to get the similar response. Obviously, I was asking you how you carefully select your your your, your stock, so I don't want you to take it the wrong way. No, look, I think it's, uh, look, it's human nature, isn't it? Um, you know, Sheikh Tamim decided he wanted to um, be involved in Europe, and so, you know, to, to, to get some action, horses in training is the only way to do it. Um, you know, as I say, we haven't bought huge numbers, but we have bought uh, high quality. Uh, but that doesn't guarantee success. You know, like we were obviously very, very, we knew how fortunate that we were at Ascot. And, um, you, you know, hopefully we can have a bit of luck this weekend, but we're under no illusions that uh, nothing is guaranteed in this game. Are you going to win the Chibli Park with Jasna's secret? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, Carlos and Yanni Lerner report that she's, um, you know, she's extremely well. She's worked very, very well with Christoph Simeon about 10 days ago. Uh, I thought it was a fairly big statement that he wasn't riding uh, a long shot on Saturday that he wanted to come over and ride her. So we're excited. You know, she's a very impressive filly, but it's a massive step up from uh, the races she's running. She's won a sales race to drop into a Group 1. You know, is a big step up, but we're looking forward to seeing her. Okay, so Wathnan then with interests, according to Richard Brown, both in France and England this weekend. And Christophe Soumillon is coming here to ride the Lerner filly in the Chibli Park before going back to, to Paris to ride Feed the Flame in the Arc and a whole bunch of other horses as well. Uh, Lydia, other highlights in France for you? Well, it's Highfield Princess's chance to win her Group 1 this season. Can she do it? You feel that she's been offering it a slight, operating at a slightly lesser level this time around and it can be such a draw pace race that she's going to need things to fall right isn't she well i think she's going to be absolutely at her best so it doesn't really matter where she's where she is doesn't it it's going to be not with well she's going to well i think she's going to have to be that's what i mean i think she's going to have to produce her absolute best right okay because it's a race that throws up sort of wacky results yeah. because circumstantially it's just a kind of oddball race it is it's a, it's a, a, a beware race unless, unless you can you've, you've got a particular angle and you're going to get paid for it it's a race I tend to watch I'd like her to win and I'd like her to yeah, that goes without saying from our perspective doesn't yeah. it I mean what a tremendous horse she's been for so many seasons and, and uh, Kin Ross has become a bit of a feel good horse he is a tremendous horse absolutely uh, just the, the level of consistency the level of ability that he delivers again and again from six furlongs to a mile um, a sharp mile certainly um over different ground fast ground or deep ground i think he is an absolutely superb horse and a great advertisement for rafe beckett's team 
And what about the two-year-old here at Newmarket? Um, yeah, we got some nice racing today, um, but you might not get that because this might go out after you've after you've watched it. But certainly, the Chiefly Park and Middle Park deserve our attention. Can you see beyond Van Deek and or River Tiber, the one-three from the morning in the Middle Park? Yeah, I'm not sure about Van Deek. I'm not sure about the way in which the Middle Park will play out over six furlongs at the Roly Mile will necessarily suit that horse. Uh, I'd be um, more more looking um, elsewhere. I can see River Tiber um, putting up a better performance than he did behind Van Dyck in the in the morning last time. And I'm really interested in race source. So I was very interested to hear Task what Force. he had to say about Task Force. Absolutely. Yeah, he said he, he was comfortably the horse he was looking forward to most amongst the two-year-olds. And yeah, sometimes it just is the pedigree stupid by Frankel out of special duty. Exactly. That, I mean, that you, you start looking into it. Personally, I was looking at the vast improvement from first to second start and then started looking at the pedigree and thought, oh, I. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm quite excited by what Task Force might be able to produce. And what about in the, in the um, Achievely Park? stakes which is slightly different types of horse in this i thought and i'm interested that aiden o'brien who was going to run none is now running was it three (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) poor old george bowie (laughs) thought he he had ryan moore jogged up all week on soprano and then ah oh ah that's not gonna happen well well i mean there's always that possibility isn't there i mean relief rally clearly she sets the standard i thought she did really well in the circumstances to win the ladder last time having been ended up by having to angle out having quite a quite a bit to do the interesting one is Jasna's secret isn't it again a sort of similar angle to task force the amount of improvement she made from first to second start she's making her uk debut christophe soumillon's on board she's interesting the french raider she is and i certainly wasn't getting dissuaded by uh, by richard brown there a few moments ago as well um by galloway who's made quite an impression uh, given the, the caliber of mayor that he's he's had to cover uh, and we got a bit of a word on yesterday's podcast for Torini and c at a big price in the cambridgeshire but frankly there's about 15 I could fancy in that yeah uh, the one I, I do fancy is Eagles Way I think he did really well from a wide draw fading only late over 10 furlongs at Sandown last time having been very positively ridden um, I think he is interesting at this trip at this track I can see Bo Pedro running well as well for David O'Mara and I've got an absolutely wild one as well which is a massive price I think might be the outside of the field on better Phalak oh okay Jim Goldie Big, big Jim knows how to get horses to run well in races like this. Used to be trained by Ewan Williams. Has form over over nine furlongs. Has been running over much further this season. Um, he's not the most straightforward. I think he's extremely well handicapped and three figure prices. I think yeah, yes, please. I'll have a, have a little bit on that, please. Okay, I've gone for Paradis, oh, yeah, yeah. who I think uh, dropping in trip might suit in a furiously run nine furlongs on decent ground with an excellent jockey booked. Now, how are you going to play the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe and the racing at Paris Longchamp this weekend? It's quite often a significant disparity between industry return prices and uh, what you can see on the on the French pools. And you've got an opportunity this year for the first time to bet into a big French pool. Uh, and that's a deal that's been facilitated uh, with the help of the Tote UK, whose chief executive, Alex Frost, joins me now. Alex, just explain what you've done and what this means for uh, punters in the UK. Yeah, morning, Nick. Um, essentially, for the first time, as you say, um, customers over here have the opportunity to play into the French pools directly. And as you say, there are huge disparities. So very often we'll see the French horses overbet and the English horses underbet. So, you know, a great opportunity to open that up to UK customers and Irish customers. 
and particularly if they're a, you know biggish outsiders in races like the Prix de Labe and things like that can go off absolutely wild prices on the on the French pools. I must confess, I hadn't realised we had not been able to do this before. Have you been able to take a French sort of tote price with a British bookmaker before or not? Um, I think in small size, there is, I think bets were laid. Um, but no, but this is the, the advantage here, obviously, is that the monies go into the system which goes into French racing um, and supports you know, the grass, grassroots sport. But on top of that, customers can bet with unrestricted numbers and um, you know all the advantage that, that, that tote and pool betting represents. So there's just that, that greater liquidity into the local pool. That's the, that's the theory. Yeah, and I mean, for the ARC, we'll be expecting in the Wimpool um, pools of around 15 million um, euros. And, and during the other races, we're, you know, typically we've seen pool size around a million in, in France um, on ARC day. So, you know, huge opportunities to bet um, into the biggest pools in the world. So it's super exciting. Okay, so how has this deal come about? How have you done it? Yeah, it's been a bit of graft. I think, you know, we're all um, around the world working at ways of integrating these pools more effectively. You've obviously seen with Whirlpool a, a complete shift in terms of people working together. Um, this one's taken a while, um, but um, we, we've got there um, working with the PMU directly. Um, and it paves the way for plenty more deals like this. We've got um, some progress on, on working with Singapore. Um, we're looking to work with Australia. Um, but, but currently, we, we have 25 pools um, of liquidity, which we, which we co-mingle with around um, the world. So, yeah, lots going on. And um, hopefully for tote customers, they're really getting a good deal now. All right. That is uh, how you can bet into the French pools this weekend. Is that something you'd be tempted by, betting into the French pools? In certain circumstances, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It'll be something I monitor um, on the day. Uh, this year, having just come back from holiday, I'm uh, going to be watching it from my from my living room, either half and I. We will be watching it all, and uh, it should be good fun, actually. And I, I imagine we will sort of dabble around in, in terms of what the best best bets are for the day. And, yeah, that is something I would consider. How good is the Wi-Fi signal on the Eurostar? Because I'm going to get to Paris, Gardinor, roughly as they, they pass the line in the arc i think because i'm hosting a conference there on monday and i've got to do my show from ealing on sunday morning it's shocking timing oh, it really is. Is. absolutely terrible you, you were criticizing the wedding planners earlier i know this is <laughs> I, well i think the eurostar wi-fi if that helps is i should is have delegated good. that to a capable substitute it I? sounds like it doesn't it you yeah. know yeah. Where, where is where is tom when you need him he's hosting an international broadcast uh, the arc at Paris oh, oh well there we go <laughs> Swings around about, swings around about. <laughs> right. Um, what is Bob Baffert up to and how might this impact the way that we relate to racing's professionals? This is this is a story and a half, isn't it? Yes. So he has taken out a lawsuit. It was filed on Wednesday in the US District Court, Southern District of California. And it is against two tweeters or exes, as I suppose we're meant to call them these days. Justin Wenderia, who uh, posts under at Swift Hitter, and Daniel DeCortia, who um, posts under at Barshoe Life. Uh, this is a story in the Thoroughbred Daily News by Bill Finley. And the lawyers for Baffert have um, said that these two people have been responsible for a series of escalating threats and criminal conduct and they all urged others to engage in violent behaviour towards Bob Baffert and his family, baselessly accused Bob Baffert of criminal con- conduct and attempted to extort 
uh, from Bob Baffert and his family under threats to his business, reputation and occupational licence. They allege that, uh, that, that money was sought in exchange for not releasing information that might be damaging uh, to uh, Bob Baffert's career. Um, and it is, it is a very, very interesting story for many different reasons. Well, first of all, you'd think that given the amount of lawsuits that Bob Baffert has both filed and had to defend in the, in the last couple of years that he might have courtroom fatigue um, because it's obviously he and his family have been through quite a, uh, a significant amount of this. Um, that being said, uh, the, the social media space has become an extremely toxic forum for debate on the subject of Bob Baffert, his various suspensions um, and his um, medication violations to the point where uh, the, the people who are, are if you like, pro-Baffert uh, take a, an incredibly entrenched view. You know, Rumours of various professionals having burner accounts where they're you know, just firing out positive media and that's in response to um, accounts like Swift Hitter and Barshu Life being used as as Twitter totems, if you like, or ex-totems for various disaffected people in the industry who have a, 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 a almost absurd uh, axe to grind against anything that, that Bob Baffert does. It is the, you know, the politics of populism, polarity, mm. um, embodied in, in one bizarre horse racing fraternity. It's kind of a microcosm of what's going on in everything in the world in terms totally. of the, the, the culture war and, you know, the, the belief that the mainstream media, the established media, um, are not, you know, doing their job properly, are not telling the truth and that there is some deeper deep state corruption going on. So, um, I think the allegations in the lawsuit include um, focusing on the, uh, uh, allegations that have been made online about Bob Baffert being guilty of blood doping, other criminal acts of animal cruelty um, and uh, other um, allegations like he slaughters horses on national TV, quote. Um, and so these are serious allegations that are being made unsubstantiated online. Now, uh, one of the posters, um, Wunderla, has, uh, Wunderia, sorry, has said that he's got a video of Bob Baffert doing, uh, he has, has implied, something so nefarious that it would end his career. He's claimed that the New York Times and the Washington Post have reached out to him. He said yeah. this to Bill Finney. This the is a really there. interesting point, this, because there is no doubt that those who set themselves up, and I've seen, you know, you've said it as as kind of the, the great saviors for the game mm. are are being used by people who are within the mainstream or on the periphery of the mainstream in order to you know subvert authority and then get a new story for themselves yeah i mean i, I think there is, there is a savior complex amongst amongst many um on on the, the sort of social media keyboard warrior side of things in this areas i mean the key question is if you have got uh, evidence in that way why would you not take it to the authorities I can guess their answer because the authorities are, are corrupt and would probably yeah, cover it up and they're the part of the deep state conspiracy ex ex exactly along with the mainstream media exactly yeah. exactly so we're in a we're in a loop an endless loop which we see playing out in you know other areas of society as well but I mean it, it I think th there are two things that I would take away from that this the first one is that websites like X but also Facebook etc are the wild west when it comes to defamation 
what people need to remember is that they are the publisher when it comes to legal obligations and a number of accounts this side of the Atlantic as well sh I think should probably be reflecting on this story because as um, main as the social media space becomes a more continuous feeder towards the mainstream media and as more people turn to it for its news then people who have allegations made against them are going to start to take those allegations much more seriously in the same way that we have libel and slander and defamation action against established media you know websites are going to start to, and individuals who use websites are increasingly going to start to feel that heat that's just inevitable in my view but I also think there's an attempt by Bob Baffert's legal team to conflate unsubstantiated allegations and these sort of conspiracy theories with legitimate questions asked by legitimate media about Bob Baffert's own actions his uh, medication record and the impact that his violations and bans have had on our sport so Churchill Downs and the New York Racing Association may indeed have partly been driven by the media spotlight that has been generated but there would have been nothing for the media to highlight if there had been no story so again that comes back to a sports person's own integrity and professionalism so what I am denying is there is a middle way you started off by pointing out how this is a polarizing argument and I deny that polarizing argument you know there are legitimate questions that have to be asked in this area and just because there are extreme views being expressed doesn't mean that legitimate views and questions should be shut down as well and I thought there was a, a whiff of that in the language used by Bob Baffert's legal team as quoted in the Thoroughbred Daily News story. All right well this is going to run and run it's a it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinary story and one that you feel could well prompt copycat action if it's in in part or, or wholly successful. Uh, both sides of the Atlantic, I fancy, as, uh, as Lydia was saying. Lydia, do you have a tip for me for today or for the weekend or anything? I'm going to go with Eagles Way in the Cambridgeshire. Ooh, I like that, bold. Yeah, go big. Go big. Yeah. Or go home, which you're not uh, allowed to do now because you've got to stay here for the racing and you're not allowed to go on holiday for at least another six months. <laughs> Unlucky. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, you mustn't miss the Saturday edition today because it is a compilation of all the interviews into the arc, which... Um, I think it's been rather good this week, to be honest. Uh, if you agree, you'll want to listen to them um, again, uh, or listen to them if you haven't already. That was Friday, the 29th of September. Have a fabulous weekend, wherever you are, whether you're on a train, at a wedding, or in front of the telly, watching the cat up read like the tree off. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. <laughs>